I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a breakthrough and a stunning twist in the death of Cash App founder Bob Lee, who was fatally stabbed last week in downtown San Francisco. It was a crime that stirred an outcry from the city's tech community and inflamed fears of surging violence in the city. Those fears were amplified by both local and national media. Shocking murder capturing just how dangerous liberals have made America's cities. Elon Musk's responding to the shocking murder, quote, Many people I know have been severely assaulted. Violent crime in San Francisco is horrific, and even if attackers are caught, they're often released immediately. But on Thursday morning, San Francisco police made an arrest. 38-year-old Emeryville resident and tech entrepreneur Nima Momeni. In a news conference on Thursday, San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott said the suspect had known Bob Lee, and he challenged the perception that the stabbing was a result of the city's inability to manage crime. I do understand you know, how people see and view things. I see it, I read it, I live here just like a lot of you all. But this has nothing to do with San Francisco. This has to do with human nature. Police now allege that Momeni murdered Lee in a personal dispute and not because San Francisco coddles criminals, as some conservative commentators and tech leaders had suggested in the days after the killing. The fact is, while San Francisco has many well-known problems, statistics show that the city's homicide rate is relatively low when compared to other major cities in the U.S. The arrest of Momeni was first reported by Joe Eskenazi, a columnist and managing editor at Mission Local, a nonprofit news site in San Francisco, He's going to join me in a few minutes on the show to talk about the highly politicized reaction to the Lee case. But first, I'm joined by Chronicle reporter Rachel Swan, who's been following the latest developments on the killing. Rachel, what happened on Thursday morning? Shortly after 5 a.m., police surrounded a building in Emeryville. It's called the Bessler Building kind of one of those scruffy old industrial buildings that's been converted into live work, kind of hipster lofts close to Pixar, close to Ikea. This is where our man Nima Momeni lives. They got on a bullhorn. They basically told Momeni he needs to come out. And some of them were in full SWAT gear and they awoke everyone in the building and proceeded to arrest Momeni. So a planned arrest. Mm -hmm. This was a warrant arrest. And they suspect him of murder. Yes. Police have been investigating this case for about a week. They served two search warrants in San Francisco, a search warrant in Emeryville, and then the arrest warrant this morning. So this is the result of what they're describing as a round-the-clock, extremely high-profile investigation. Rachel, obviously we always want to know why this happened and what police did to make the case. What do we know so far about the police investigation? We don't know much. Police have been very tight-lipped, even though everybody wants to know the motive. They have revealed they're confident these two men knew each other. We don't know how. We don't know for how long. And we do not know the circumstances that led to the stabbing. What do we know about Nima Momeni? Well, so we know he lived in this building in Emeryville that's filled with techies and artists and politicians and whatnot. He was described as someone who was like a gracious host, welcomed strangers into his apartment, had a pool table, described by many as a kind of likable, affable guy. He was an IT guy. He had his own internet technology company. He described himself as an entrepreneur. 
he was, you know, eagerly passing out his business card. We also know, on the other hand, that he had a criminal history, a lot of misdemeanors, but he was in the past charged for misdemeanor DUI, as well as trying to sell a knife, which is weird foreshadowing. And um, yeah, also some weird behavior that some of his neighbors reported. But nothing to this seriousness. Nothing that would suggest that he was going to violently stab someone on a sidewalk. Rachel, you mentioned that Bob Lee still had a cell phone after he was stabbed and before he was found unconscious by the authorities. Do we know whether he perhaps was able to communicate who had stabbed him on that cell phone? We don't really know, but he certainly had some time. And we also know that the fact that he was found with a cell phone sort of debunks the widespread theory that it was a robbery gone bad because, I mean, he was found with possessions. Rachel, the city held a news conference on Thursday after this arrest. What was the general reaction from officials? You know, the mayor really commended the police department for handling this pretty responsibly at a time when clearly London Braid, the DA and the police knew what was going on with this case and were able to kind of keep their mouths shut about it at a time when they were really getting a tide of criticism from a very powerful tech community that now thinks the city has spiraled out of control. And did city officials push back on the initial reaction to this killing that that said the city was out of control and this was emblematic of it? Yeah, I mean, they absolutely pushed back. I mean, Mayor London Breed, one of her first remarks was to note that there had been a lot of speculation about the case. Brooke Jenkins accused people who'd been putting out theories and messaging about the city being out of control. She accused them of interfering with the justice process because they were spreading misinformation. And what's next in the case? We know that on Friday, Momeni is going to make his first appearance in court. He's going to be arraigned. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins is going to motion to keep him in jail. And hopefully we will soon hear what is law enforcement's theory of the case and what sparked this altercation between these two men. Rachel Swan, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Damien. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Joe Eskenazi. He's the managing editor and columnist at Mission Logal, and we're going to talk more about the reaction to the arrest in the Bob Lee case right after this on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth and Mission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, now joined by my second guest, Joe Eskenazi. He's the managing editor of Mission Local in San Francisco, also a columnist there. Joe, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me on the show, Damian. Joe broke the story on Thursday morning of the arrest in the killing of Bob Lee. There's a suspect in custody, as we've reported. Joe, I wanted to talk to you about the reaction of this killing in San Francisco Talk to me about the initial reaction. The initial reaction was, of course, one of sorrow for a person who seems to have been well-loved and incredibly well-known. Lots and lots and lots of friends and well-wishers, and nobody seemed to have bad things to say. 
But very quickly, this moved on to a story about San Francisco and many of uh, Lee's colleagues, fellow tech luminaries, lamenting that San Francisco was responsible for this situation. And in fact, some of them even tagged specific politicians and said that they had blood on their hands and that this was a situation fomented by the lawlessness and the uh, street chaos of uh, San Francisco. And Joe, you pushed back on that pretty quickly in your work. What did you see there? Well, every law enforcement officer I spoke to saw there were enough odd and incongruous details about Lee's death that it, it didn't make sense as a random crime, and it didn't make sense as a robbery. Among other things, he still had the cell phone to make the horrifying 911 call where he was screaming for help. So if it's not a random attack and it's not a robbery, that points towards a targeted attack. The police will have to tell us what they knew and when they knew it, but we could all infer that they were making very good progress by the fact that they didn't ask for help. They never put out you know, a call for security footage or, or asked for people who were in the area because they knew enough that they were putting their ducks in a line and, and pulling the trigger today with their arrest. But Joe, you write about San Francisco. You live in San Francisco. I'm guessing that you weren't surprised by the political reaction. I wasn't. But that doesn't mean I wasn't disappointed. If you want to make the case that things are not going well in San Francisco, that is a target-rich environment. San Francisco has a great deal of overt misery and drug use, and people have every reason to feel unsafe. If you have property, you have every reason to fear that it will be stolen. But, you know, we get into strange territory when people are insistent that crime is up and that violent crime is up. That doesn't mean that things are great, and it doesn't mean that you should walk alone if you feel uncomfortable doing that in parts of town that you don't want to go to. But, you know, statistics are statistics, and those, I would never use statistics to console someone who suffered a real loss. But at the same time, I wouldn't make generalizations about trends in a city or formulate policy by using emotional arguments. And that is what was happening. Well, let's let's dig even deeper, Joe. I mean, San Francisco, as you mentioned, it has a, a pretty high property crime rate. People know there's there's car break-ins, mm -hmm. there's theft crimes. It has a really devastating drug overdose problem right now, as, as we've both reported. It does not have a relatively high homicide rate, as we've also reported. How do we parse these things in the aftermath of an individual case? I think it's always difficult to use an individual case to stand in for a situation in the city writ large, especially this one with all the red flags and the weirdness about the circumstances of this man's death. I still think it's a poor idea to commingle all of the various types of misery and crime. I think the BBC of all outlets made a terrible mistake here, describing San Francisco as having a very high crime rate and being a very dangerous place, but commingling the very high property rate, uh, crime rates with the you know relatively low violent crime rates. I'm not going to tell you you deserve to have your things stolen or that you should be grateful that you have a relatively low chance of coming to harm. But, you know, these are different things. These are different experiences and they're coming from different people. It is, just doesn't make sense to commingle these experiences. What about the political atmosphere in San Francisco? I mean, it feels like right now we're debating the role of police quite a lot and we are, but but I'm I'm not sure that we ever haven't been. I mean, this goes back many, many years. Is this singular to San Francisco right now in the political atmosphere, or is it not unique to San Francisco? I would say where we stand out, Damien, is that we may be the only city that has crime rates, violent crime rates at this relatively low level, 
that is behaving in the way it is, where people seem to be on the verge of doing vigilante stuff, something that was invariably tossed into the pile with Bob Lee's killing was the horrific beating, allegedly by homeless people, of a former San Francisco fire commissioner. Well, nobody deserves to be beaten like that. But it does seem to be a mitigating factor that he allegedly pepper sprayed his assailants before they attacked him. And also, it certainly stood out to me that police had told me there was a spate of homeless people being pepper sprayed in that neighborhood prior to this incident. So, again, nobody deserves to be physically menaced or beaten like this. But that's where I think San Francisco is unique right now, in that people are uniquely on edge, separate and apart from what the statistics show because people don't believe in the statistics. And you could argue that, and I'm not the first one to bring this up, that political elements in the city that have fomented a feeling of unease and have uh, pushed the narrative that things are off the rails and out of control are now feeling it nip at their own heels. Joe, just to play devil's advocate, I think both of us have received messages in the past week from people saying, hey, I'm don't you go out on the street. I feel really unsafe. And and we're getting a lot of those messages. What would you tell those people? How you feel is not objective. How you feel is subjective. And you're entitled to feel how you feel. And the question of is San Francisco safe is an open question, because what you consider safe and what I consider safe may not be the same thing. And San Francisco will probably never have a crime rate and a relative level of quote unquote safety akin to a leafy green suburb. It is worth noting, however, that when you do look at the statistics, that San Francisco is safer than it almost ever has been, and is safer than most all of the other mid to large cities in the United States, and many of the cities where the city's ascendant tech class has suggested relocating to avoid crime problems in San Francisco. So both of those things can be true. And Joe, what was the reaction? We're talking on Thursday afternoon. What has been the reaction so far to the arrest and understanding that the police now believe that these two men knew each other. I think there's been a great deal of uh, unfortunate gloating from all sorts of people. We should first of all notice that this is not a movie, even if these are cinematic circumstances. And whatever the circumstances around Mr. Lee's death, this is a husband and a father who's dead. A lot of people have, however, remarked upon the unbelievable situation in which a killing that was used by members of San Francisco's tech elite to decry the situation in San Francisco was allegedly committed by a tech executive. Again, this is something that is very crime show-esque. That has been the reaction. And among people who unfortunately use this case to tub thump their hobby horse that San Francisco is a dystopian hellhole, the reaction that I've gotten has essentially boiled down to yeah, I was wrong, but I was actually right. Joe Eskenazi, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Damien. Thanks to my guests today, Chronicle reporter Rachel Swan and Mission Local managing editor and columnist Joe Eskenazi. To King Kaufman and Cecilia Lay for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs>